You're listening to the City Hope Church podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. jump into the content today, and as many of you, if you were here last week, uh, you saw something like this. It was, uh, I gave you a little test about hurry sickness. I'm not going to go through all six of these with you this morning, but how many of you say that if you were here last week, how many of you say that you were a four out of six? Anybody a four out of six in here? Five out of six? Five out of six? Six out of sixers. Yeah, all right. Some of us, <laughs> some of us, we deal with all these different things. We treat everything like a race. We find it impossible to do one task at a time. We get highly irritable when experiencing a delay. You feel perpetually behind schedule all the time, you know, and you interrupt and talk over people and you're obsessed with checking things off your to-do list. This was just a little test that we gave last week to see how many of us really struggle with hurry. And if you're like me, I struggle with all six. Six out of six, I struggle with all of those things. And what we talked about last week is how this idea of hurry and this busy culture that we live in is actually destroying our lives. And so many of this is so many of these reasons here are so true for us. And honestly, after last weekend, I was a little taken back by how many of you, either you came up to me after service or, or maybe uh, you, some of you, you reached out to me this week and you said, man, Pastor Noah, I am a six out of six. <laughs> like like I, have, I struggle with all of these things. And honestly, after that, I felt like really good about myself. You know, like I was like, no, I'm just kidding. But I was like, at least I was like, I'm not the only one who struggles with this. I'm not the only one. And uh, I, I actually, I actually, I didn't feel really good about it. I actually felt really convicted because I really do know that this is the series that we need to be in as a church. I think that this is the exact message series that so many of us need right at this moment. And, uh, and so I, I hope this message series can really challenge you. And man, if it's done what it's done and if what it's already doing in my life is incredible, I hope that it can do the same thing in yours because Really, what we talked about last week is that there has to be a better way than the life that we're living. Like, there has to be a better way than the rush and the hurry that we all live in. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks as we look at the life of Jesus. In fact, last week I told you that Jesus accomplished more in the three years of his ministry here on earth than many of us will ever accomplish in our lifetime. And even though Jesus accomplished so many different things, do you know that never once was Jesus in a hurry? Like, never once was he telling Martha to take his food to go, right? Like, he's like, I, I got to get saddled up on the donkey, and I got to get into Jerusalem. They're waiting on me, you know, with palm. They got the palm branches waiting on me, right? Like, I got to get someplace. Like, he was never like that. He was never in a hurry, and yet he accomplished more than many of us will ever accomplish in our entire life. And we just said, I, I, I just told you personally how that's so convicting to me, because I know that I live in this very hurried pace all the time. But do you know that in the middle of that hurried pace, Jesus wants to speak? And Jesus wants to say something to you. In fact, this is our theme verse. You saw part of it on the screen. I love what Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be reading verses 28 through 30. I brought it to you in the message version today because it's just so beautiful. It says this, it says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Jesus says this, this is Jesus talking. He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. Let me just pray over our service today. Father, we just love you. And Lord, we just thank you for so much for what you're doing in our church. And Father, this verse, man, I just recognize that this is what so many of us want. Lord, we desire to live a life in your rhythms of grace. Lord, the life that so many of us want is this free and light life. And yet, some of us, we just don't know how to get it. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would just reveal that to us today. Lord, help us put some rhythms into practice so that we can better, not only better understand your word, but better act on it and put it into practice. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I thank you that you don't call us to a life of busyness and rush and hurry. Lord, instead, you call us to a life of grace and freedom. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for touching every person in here. Lord, I thank you that your hand is upon this. And I thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what I know when it comes to this topic of hurry. I know that there's one thing in life, in all of our life, that literally drives and motivates almost every single thing that we do in life. In fact, it's this little word. I brought it to you on the screen. It's the word desire. In fact, the reason that many of us even woke up this morning is because we had a desire to do something. We had a desire to go somewhere. We had a desire for something in life. I would say that desire is one of the engines, it's like the core engine in our life that just keeps us going. The fact that we're moving, the fact that we're going is because of our desires. But let me ask you this question. What would it take to satisfy all of your desires? What would it take? Pretty much absolutely everything in this world, right? Like you would have to experience everything and everybody to even satisfy your desire. In fact, if you, would to, if you would go out and try to satisfy your desire today, you would probably go out and try to eat at every restaurant. You'd have to travel to every country. You'd have to experience maybe every natural wonder in the world is your, is your, great big, is your thing that you want to experience. Or maybe for you, you would have to win every reward possible, or you would have to climb to every mountaintop. Or some of us, we just want to own everything in the world, right? That would satis- That's the only thing that could ever satisfy our desires. And that's a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. And can I just burst your bubble just for a minute? Sadly, even if you had access to unlimited funds, there's two little things that would still get in the way. Time and space. If you had all the money in the world to satisfy all your desires, time and space would still get in the way. It's because desire is infinite, and we are finite, meaning that desire just goes on and on, and we have something at the end of our life that we're not going to last forever. And so we have all sorts of limits in our life, and so the result, when we talk about desire, infinite desire minus a finite soul equals restlessness, which is, by the way, where most of us live. We want to fulfill every desire that we've ever had, but because there's a limit on what we can do, all of a sudden, we're restless. 
Can I tell you that no matter how much we see, no matter how much we do, no matter how much we buy, sell, drink, experience, whatever, no matter how much you do any of those things, you always want more. In fact, I think that's the worst part about going on any vacation or trip is that you're never there long enough, right? You always want more. And so what do we do with this unsatisfied desire? What do we do with this restlessness? Well, you know, our culture says that if you would just work a little bit harder or if you would just go a little bit faster or if you just take, take more of what's yours, right? If you would just do all of these things and, and if you would just hurry up and do them really, really quick, you could satisfy all your desires. But that's not how you satisfy all your desires. In fact, culture literally through, uh, through advertising, I, I found this study that said advertising is literally an attempt to monetize our restlessness. It's an attempt to, so in, in fact, they said this, get this, you see an average, this is unbelievable, everybody, you see an average of 4,000 ads a day, every day. You see about 4,000 ads, whether it's through social media, whether it's through billboards that you see outside or drive by. I, you see about 4,000 ads a day telling you to buy this, eat this, drink this, have this, watch this TV show, be this, right? It's telling you what to do. And to think that that's just, that's just ads around us and just think about not even the ads in our life. Think about social media. Social media literally takes this restlessness problem to a whole new level. Where it takes, we, many of us, we follow these rich and famous people who have seemingly unlimited amounts of things that they can do, go, see. And all of a sudden it creates this restlessness in us. And even if we don't follow the rich and famous, even if we just follow some of our family members and close friends... All we're constantly seeing is their highlight reel on social media. And then we're comparing, why didn't we do that? Well, I think, I, I think they're a better couple than us, you know? Like, why didn't we take a picture like that, right? And like, why? why? <laughs> and we compare our worst moments with their best moments. And you know, the result is what we see in our culture today. This culture of, full of high anxiety and just depression and anger. And it's all the results of a busy life, a life of hurry, honestly, a life of restlessness. And so here's the question, and here's what we're answering in the series. Is there a practice from the life of Jesus to help us get away from those unsatisfied desires and help us to begin to fulfill our soul? And the answer is yes. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give you one rhythm of rest each week a rhythm that Jesus gives us. There's some things in our life that will help us slow down. And here's the amazing thing about all of these things. Each and every one of these things that I'm giving you is a gift that God wants to give you today. It is literally a gift. In fact, here's the promise that he gives us. He says, you, I, in fact, I'll, I'll put it like this. You can be less hurried, but more productive. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> I mean, doesn't that sound beautiful? Like, I can be less hurried and more productive. And I don't know about you, but that phrase alone is crazy motivating to me. Because I want to be productive. But if I can be less hurried and more productive, 
man, I'm really, really winning. And so we're, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at four different, four different things. I'm going to give you one today, and the rest of the weeks we're going to look at one each. And, uh, and so if you're, if you're with us and you've got your Bibles, if you open up to God's Word, we're going to be in Exodus this morning, and we're going to be looking at, specifically in Exodus chapter 20. And uh, I'm going to give you one principle of slowing down. In Exodus chapter 20, we see a section of Scripture that many of us know as the Ten Commandments. You've heard of the Ten Commandments before, right? You probably, you probably have seen them on a wall somewhere, maybe at the wall of your home. Weirdest thing, a couple of weeks ago on my car, I had a poster with the Ten Commandments. Somebody just posted the Ten Commandments on my car out here. So anyway, I just, yeah, so I have a fresh new poster of the Ten Commandments that were, was left on my vehicle. So thank you, whoever that was, and uh, I got it. And uh, <laughs> just so you know. And uh, anyway, we, we've seen these Ten Commandments before. And, uh, and I want to show you these Ten Commandments and really refresh us. And I hope that you see something new in these. I summed them up for us. Uh, if you want to read all these, again, Exodus chapter 20. But here's the summary of what the Ten Commandments are. The first commandment is that you're only allowed, allowed to worship one God, to worship the one true God. And so we worship one God. Commandment number two is have no idols. Number three is don't dishonor God's name. Don't take God's name in vain. Number four, I'm going to leave blank here on purpose. Number five is honor your father and mother. Number six is do not murder. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Nine, do not lie. And ten is do not covet what doesn't belong to you. Here's a summary of the Ten Commandments. And now if you looked at all of these Ten Commandments, let me ask you a question this morning. Would you be okay with breaking any of these? Would anybody just be okay with breaking any of these Ten Commandments? Like this is God's top ten list of how to live your life so it doesn't fall apart, right? And so many of us today, in fact, most of us in this room say that we don't feel comfortable breaking any of these Ten Commandments. That we're, we're not, we don't want to break any of the Ten Commandments. In fact, even in our culture today, if you broke one of these Ten Commandments... Most, most, most likely, a, a lot of the times, you would either end up in some type of counseling or some of you would literally end up in jail. I mean, if you break these Ten Commandments, that's how even our culture can see it that way. And yet the fourth commandment is the one that most of us are okay with breaking. In fact, we, most of us do it every single week. The fourth commandment is every seven days... You must take one day to rest. No work allowed. Scripture says, calls it a Sabbath day. That you're called to take a Sabbath day. A day of rest, no work allowed. Now I wonder how many of us are not doing this. We do a little bit of work. All, all seven days a week, we just do a little bit of work here and there. And can I tell you, this is not just a commandment that we're breaking. This is actually a commandment that when we break it, a lot of us brag about it. In fact, we say, if, if I'd asked some of you this morning, hey, how's your life going? Some of you would say, well, 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 man, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. I haven't had a day off in like four weeks. And like we wear this as a badge of honor. And can I ask you, would you do that with any of the other Ten Commandments? 
I mean, would you, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I just cheated on my wife four weeks in a row, you know. Like, <laughs> I hope you're not going around bragging about that, right? Like, I, I, I hope that's not the case. And so we're, we're not okay with all the other commandments, yet this is the one we're okay with. In fact, I want to dive into what the commandment really is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. It says this. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Holy here just meaning set apart. That there's something different about it. That you're, you're setting this day apart. And he says, six days you shall work, or you shall labor, and you shall do all your work. So you're doing all your emails. You're doing all your text messages, Zoom calls. You're doing all the yard work, everybody, right? I mean, you're, you're, doing, you're doing all the work in six days. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. (laughs) Some of y'all need to see this. Not do how much work? (laughs) Any. Like, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son. (laughs) And then I love this part of scripture because he's like, he gets rid of every excuse because it's like, okay, well, if I can't do work, then I'm going to make somebody else do work. And so then he, and he's like, he knows that like, okay, this is what we're going to come up with. And so he says, he gives this fine list. Neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male, nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Like out of, out of all the commandments, everybody, do you know that this is the longest commandment? Isn't that interesting? Like out of all of them, like you shall have no other gods before me. Like you would think that one would be the longest one. No, this is the longest commandment. And not only is this the longest of the Ten Commandments, this is the only commandment that we have with an explanation after it. That he stops and gives an explanation. He says, look at what he says. He says, for in six days the Lord your God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Sabbath, you need to understand what the word Sabbath means. Sabbath, the Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat, which literally means to stop. So when the Bible says Sabbath, it's just saying stop. It's it's time to stop. And you're thinking, well, Pastor Noah, what should I stop? I got a lot going on in life. What do I need to stop? Well, stop working. Stop wanting. Some of y'all just need to stop worrying. Like this is the day to stop worrying. Just Stop, which by the way, if this word means to stop, that means that we can read that same scripture, that same scripture that we just read, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, if we take this very literal, means it's the seventh day is a stopping day to the Lord your God. I want to give you three things about the Sabbath, three things about the stopping day. In fact, some of the most challenging three things I think that you're ever going to get. It's some of the most challenging three things that I've ever got in my life. But I want you to see what God has to say about the stopping day and how this can help your rhythm of rest and get out of this life of hurry. Take a look at this first one here. It's this, is that the Sabbath is a non-negotiable command from God. It's non-negotiable. And let me clarify this for just a minute, because when God gave these Ten Commandments, I want you to know that he didn't give these Ten Commandments so that you can be saved. 
There's a lot of people out there who think, okay, I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta get all these ten rights so I can just so I can be saved and so I can go to heaven. Listen, you are you are not saved by just following the Ten Commandments. You're saved by grace through faith, period. Like that's it. That's 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 all you need. But after you're saved, God gives us some principles so that our life can go well, so that our family, so that our marriages, so that our careers, so that our mental health, everybody, like doesn't go to pieces. And so he gives us some principles in scripture. And so behind all of these 10 commandments is actually a principle that we can learn. In fact, I'll give you an example. When God says, do not murder, I'm, I'm not really worried about any of you in this room murdering anyone. At least I think, right? I mean, I, 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 I have great faith that you're not going to murder someone. But what's the principle behind the commandment of do not murder? Well, Jesus actually clarified it in the New Testament where he said it's not just about not murdering people. It's about not hating others. It's not hating people that God created. And so what's the principle? The principle behind that commandment is love. That we're called as Christians to love others. So that we're, we're, we're called to love. You say, well, what's the principle behind adultery? Like, that one's pretty straight up and clear, right? Like, it should be, you should know what that one is. And, well, Jesus actually clarified that. He said that even if you have, if you don't commit just the physical act of adultery, if you just have lust in your eyes, Jesus says, that all of a sudden, so what is Jesus saying? Well, the principle there is purity, right? That we're called to live a pure life because that's how relationships work. That when we have a pure relationship, that all of a sudden things begin to work better because God blesses that very thing. And so you say, well, Pastor Noah, what's the principle behind this? What's the principle behind the Sabbath? Well, I believe the principle is this, is that the principle behind the Sabbath is just rest. Now, (laughs) I kind of find it funny that God has to command us to do this. Like God has to command us to rest. Ain't that crazy? I mean, ain't that just wild? Like, like God commanding us to rest is like God saying, hey, go eat some ice cream or have a good time. Just go out or, or, or take a, go on vacation. You know, that's what God, God is trying to tell us these things. And, and, and those are things that you would think, we would just be like so committed to like, yes, Lord, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to have a rest, right? Like you would think that we'd be so committed to each and every one of these things. And yet God knew that there was something deeply wrong in our hearts. I think God knew that we would be so apt to trying to be successful and getting ahead of people that we will literally work ourselves to death seven days a week. And he knew that it was going to destroy us. So he had to command us to rest. Could it be that reason that that's why you're exhausted today? Like the reason that you don't have peace is because you're actually breaking one of the Ten Commandments and you're not even resting? And can I just tell you, you can't begin to experience the blessings of God unless you follow the principles that he's laid out for you. And it's important. So God commands us to rest, which means the second thing we need to know about the Sabbath is this, is that the Sabbath is blessed. The Sabbath is blessed. In fact, look at the command again, Exodus 20, 11. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. You know, when he said this, 
he's referring to the first mention of the Sabbath in the book of Genesis, in the very first book of the Bible. In fact, when, when God created the whole world, Genesis 2-2, it says on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. You know, God modeled for us what he wanted us to do. In fact, Genesis 2, chapter 3, says then God, or chapter 2, verse 3, it says, then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I find it interesting that God blessed a day. Like you hear about God blessing things, but look at, he literally blesses a day. In fact, do you know in the creation account in the, in, in the first couple chapters of Genesis, in the creation account, there's only three things that God blessed when he created it. Three different things. I want to show you the three things that God blessed. The first thing that he blessed were the animals. In fact, Genesis 1.22 says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. God blessed the animals so that they could multiply. And get this, he wanted to bless them so that they could fill the earth with life, right? So that we have life here on this earth, and so he blessed them. And then, not only did he bless the animals, but he also blessed mankind. He said the same exact thing just two verses later. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Why did he say that to mankind? Because he wanted to fill this world with life. He wanted to give it life. And so the only other thing that God blessed is a day. Why would he bless a day? You know, I think it's the same reason that he blessed the other two things, that he blessed animals, that he blessed man. It's because I believe that when we take a day off, God multiplies it and he blesses it and he gives life back to the other six days of the week. I think that's why he blessed it. In fact, when you look at the word blessed, take a look at this. The blessed is the Hebrew word meaning to evoke divine favor, to fill with strength. What is God doing on the Sabbath day? He's bringing life back into our week. He's filling us with life. And so God blesses the Sabbath day. You know, this principle here is very close and honestly so similar to the principle of tithing. You've heard me talk about tithing before. I've taught you about tithing, and I really do believe with everything in me that when we bring the first 10% to God, he blesses the other 90%. And so, in, in fact, in t the tithe in Malachi is literally called blessed. It's not even the word tithe. It's just called blessed. And so, what is the principle? You say, well, if that relates, what's the principle here in the Sabbath? Well, that, that same principle of tithing is true in the Sabbath. That when we give God a full day off, he'll begin to bless the other six days and he'll begin to multiply them. And I'm, I, I really do, I want you to try this because you will get more done in six days with him than you could ever do with seven on your own. And I, it, it, it's a principle. In fact, let me say it like this for you note takers is that when you take a Sabbath, God supernaturally multiplies it and gives life to your other six days. He, when you take that Sabbath, he can supernaturally multiply it and give life to your other six days. Now, admittedly, in 
the person that I am, that I'm in a hurry constantly all the time, that's a little hard to understand for us. Because a lot of us think that if I can't give an entire day to the Lord, like I got to get stuff done. It, like this is too good to be true. And can I tell you, you will never know it's true until you start practicing it. And it's the same way. It's, it's, it's with the Sabbath and with tithing, by the way, that until you begin to practice it, you'll never know it's true. But what's amazing to me and what I, was, what I was looking this week and doing a little research about this this week is that there's actually data behind this idea that proves that the Sabbath, that when you take at least a day, when you take the 24-hour day off, that all of a sudden there's, there's actually there's science, there's facts that catch up with God's word and says, hey, that's actually a good idea. In fact, I love how that works. Like, hey, I, you, you ever find it interesting how... Science just is always kind of catching up to what the Bible has always said. I, 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 I love that stuff. And some of you, you're thinking, well, well yeah, yeah, sure, you know, it, it, the Sabbath might be blessed, but, but God doesn't know my job, right? <laughs> and Jesus didn't live in the 21st century. He didn't have an iPhone. He didn't have, like, he didn't have all this stuff. And you're saying, well, God, God doesn't know hard work. Like, he only created the entire world, and yet God doesn't know hard work, right? He just, he can't understand and you say, well, but, but, but there's no way God can understand. Well, if you think that, and if you think, well, we're in the 21st century now, and God couldn't do this now, I want you to take a look. There's some facts and figures that I came across uh, this week, and I, I just think they're astounding, and I just want to give these to you. They're, they're a whole lot of fun. In fact, let me ask you this question. Many of you already know this. There's only two large companies in the United States today, two, two really big ones that they take off one day a week when everyone else works seven. So they only work six days a week. Do you know who they are? You know who they are? Oh, all right. You ever, been, you ever drive up to a Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and you're like, <laughs> sometimes, like, dang you, Chick-fil-A. Like, I just wanted my nuggets, right? <laughs> Extra Polynesian sauce, you know, and I'm just, we're missing out and, and y'all, y'all know who they are. Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A is one of them. And you know, you can find very clearly on their website, the founder, Dan Cathy, he writes on their website that he's clearly a Christian. And he says, he says, quote, I take Sundays off because I wanted my employees to have one day off to rest and to worship. How cool is that? But even though that's kind of cool and we're, we're like, hallelujah in church, right? It's, it's great. Apparently, no one told Dan that when he made this decision, that in the restaurant industry, Sundays are actually the highest grossing sales day of the week. <laughs> and so like, sure, Dan, <laughs> you can take Sundays off. You know, like says every other restaurant, right? Like, go ahead, take off Sundays. And, uh, and when you take off Sundays, there's no way that you could ever be as profitable as your competitors who work seven days a week. Makes sense, right? It's impossible. Well, it's impossible unless God's word is true, right? And so I want you to take a look. This is 2020. This is the most updated version that I could find for you. This is how they gauge it, the fast food average sales per store. So this is per store, per location, how much they sell in an average week. Take a look at this. Number one, you all already know who number one is. Can't really surprise you there. 
Number two is, by the way, my second favorite place, which is Raising Cane's. If you've never had Raising Cane's and cane sauce, you got to have it. It's delicious. They only sell one thing at Raising Cane's, chicken fingers, and whether you want it on bread or whether you want it with fries, you know, they just sell one thing. It's really cool. Check out Raising Cane's. Raising Cane's, they bring in $3.9 million. Whataburger brings in $3.2 million. In and out, in and out's pretty awesome. I've heard. I haven't been to one yet. Three point one million and McDonald's brings in two point nine million dollars per store. Y'all already know who number one is, but by how much? How much do you think? I, I mean, they're just a couple points away each and every one of these. Take a look. Chick Fil A, <laughs> five million dollars per per store. Like, they're in a different atmosphere, everybody. Like, it's like they didn't just blow the competition away. They do it by over a million dollars per store. It's incredible. So how does a fast food restaurant take off the highest grossing sales day of the week? How do they blow the competition away? There's no other explanation than that God's blessing is on their company and God's blessing is there. I, I, I just, it's a principle from God. And what's the other one, what's the other large one that y'all, y'all said, y'all know this one? Hobby Lobby, right? Hobby Lobby. And, and, and similar sales with them. I didn't have time to bring you all their sales. But Hobby Lobby, how does a company, I, I just, this is kind of amazing to me. I, this is just how my brain works. Like, how does a company that doesn't sell any technology, like, they're not selling iPhones or like, and nothing like that. Like, <laughs> a company that sells, honestly, like, home goods and little trinkets, right? Like, how do they, <laughs> I'm just asking, like, how does a company take off one day of the highest grossing retail day of the week? How are they one of the most profitable com- uh, companies, not just in the United States, but they're one of the most profitable country, uh, uh, companies in the world? How do they do it? It's God's word must be true. Now, why don't you hear about this? Like, why don't you hear about this in the business world? You want to know my opinion? Because I think it's really hard for them to explain it. Like, unless you use God, it's really hard to explain it. And so they, they ignore it, and it's okay. But you don't get to ignore it. Because <laughs> I brought it to you today. Like, I've shown you the numbers. In fact, there's even a study out there that says once you work a certain number of hours a week, your productivity uh, immediately dives. I mean, just plummets. And you want to know how many hours a week that you can work? (laughs) Studies say that you can work effectively 50 hours a week. It's kind of ironic that 50 hours a week is about six days. (laughs) Like, it's about a six-day work week. In fact, one study found that there is no difference between people who work 50 and 70 hour work weeks, that they get the same amount of stuff done. I mean, just think about that. Could God be speaking to us through our bodies? Like, could, could God have been right in the first chapter of Genesis? You know, like, could he have, does he know what he's doing? And I'm just here to tell you that God can do more with your six than you could ever do in your seven. In your career, in your marriage, with your kids, I'm, I promise you. Now, a lot of people, they ask questions about the Sabbath, so let, let, let's get into some practical stuff, because I know you love the practical. So you say, well, well, what day is the Sabbath? And some of y'all are like, well, the Sabbath is on Sunday, and I got to work on Sunday, or I got, I got things on Sunday, you know, I got <laughs> stuff to do. 
You don't have to take your Sabbath on Sunday, everybody. It doesn't have to be on Sunday. In fact, Scripture in the, the Sabbath in Scripture was actually on Saturday. And so it doesn't have to be on Saturday either. But you say, well, well what happens if I'm busy on the weekends? The, the principle is, is that you take off a 24-hour period sometime during your week. And so just, just take off a day to take a break for your Sabbath. You say, well, well what do I do on the Sabbath? <laughs> I don't have any idea on what I'm supposed to do with the Sabbath. That, my friends, is the wrong question. You are not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. <laughs> the right question would be, what do I not do, right? And, and, and so the Sabbath is a stopping day, just meaning no work. So no emails, no text, no computer, whatever, whatever you work, just, just put it away. And, and can I encourage you, don't be legalistic about it either. Like Jesus actually in the New Testament like ripped the Pharisees a new one and said like, you are not, because they, <laughs> they were so strict about what you were supposed to do on the Sabbath that Jesus, anyway, just go read about it. You can find that in scripture. And, uh, but don't be legalistic about it. The goal of this principle is just simply rest. And so I'll just ask you, how do you rest? Like how do you rest well? You rest however you rest best. I'll give you some ideas. You ready for some ideas? Here's a list. Y'all are going to love me today. I'm, I'm giving you like this, this really good news. First of all, if you're like me, you need to eat really well. Uh, eat well, play, laugh, spend time with friends, kids, grandkids, golf, paint, hike, walk, ride a bike, watch a movie, lay around, take a nap, have sex. Have sex, everyone. You know, <laughs> It, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's clear. With your spouse, okay? <laughs> it's a day to be enjoyed, right? And so we would just enjoy it. And uh, <laughs> some husband right now is like, honey, this Sabbath thing, like I'm, <laughs> I'm really into this. Like I think we should definitely Sabbath, very spiritual. <laughs> enjoy it, just don't work. Don't work. Why? 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 Because here's the third thing you need to know. I got I to gotta wrap this up. I'm running out of time. The Sabbath is holy. It's holy. And you need to understand that there are always consequences for your disobedience. And so anytime that we break God's law, there's, there's always consequences for that. In fact, did you know out of all the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is one of the only ones that you can get, in the Old Testament, you could get the death penalty for breaking it. And so, like, say, that, like, like, hey, God, like, Johnny stole some stuff this week. What, what do you want from him? Well, just have John, God just says, like, Johnny needs to pay it back, right? Well, hey, God, Johnny worked seven days this week. And God says, kill him. <laughs> I mean, this is how serious this day is. I mean, and doesn't that sound cruel? I mean, and so you say, well, well, what's the principle for a New Testament Christian today? I think the principle is simply this, that when you don't take a Sabbath, you are literally killing yourself. And so remember, everything that happened in the Old Testament is, is physical. And now everything in the New Testament is spiritual. And so, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get the death penalty for, for not taking a Sabbath today. But what are you doing? You're literally killing yourself spiritually. And all the data backs this up, by the way. I, I love this stuff. In fact, I'm, I wanted to show you. I found there are hundreds of studies on this alone. And I wanted to bring you one today that I found so interesting. 
This one was published in National Geographic. A, a guy by the name of Dan Butner, a researcher, he, pub, he published an article called The Secrets of a Long Life. Now, I want you to know this guy ain't a Christian. He's not writing this from a Christian perspective. He's just, this is National Geographic. And he just wanted to know who lives longer. How do you live longer? And he went all across the world. He studied groups from all over the world of people who lived longer. And when he was here in America, when he was studying America, there was a surprising group of people in America that actually lived longer than everyone else. It's a group of people that we know as the Seventh-day Adventists. You know, you, know, you know any of this? Yeah, you've heard of this before? These people are very, very strict about taking off one day a week out of every seven. And look at what he found. He found, on average, that these people live 10 years longer than every other American. Absolutely incredible. Now, I want to pause for just a second because I want to let some of you in here let the math sink in for you. These guys live 10 years longer. Because some of you in this room, you've been skeptical of God's word and you've been skeptical of this principle. And this is not a Christian study. Think about this. If you took off one, if you took one day off out of every seven days a week over a lifetime, the average lifespan for an American is about 76 years, is what Google told me. And so over about 76 years, you take one day off over every seven days. Do you know what that adds up to in a lifetime? Just over 10 years. Could it be that God is telling us that there's a spiritual, a spiritual principle behind the way that he designed you? That you must take a day off or you are literally stripping life from yourself. What's God telling us? He's saying, keep the Sabbath day blessed and holy. And you know, I told you that last week, I told you I, I personally really struggle with this whole idea of rest. It's because I just, I want to get things done and I very motivated to just work all the time. And honestly, I'm, I, in many ways, I can be paced at a rate to where I'm, it can be embarrassed about it. I told you some embarrassing stories last week. I won't tell you any embarrassing stories this week, but one, one thing that I know that I'm, I'm just really paced uh, so fast is in the way that I'm here at this church. Like, I love this church so much that the thought of letting you down, like, gets to me. So much so that every week when I'm preparing a message for you, like, you have no idea the pressure it is to bring you, like, a new revelation every single Sunday. Like, yeah, sometimes I got to re-preach a message every once in a blue moon, right? Like, but there, there is such a, there's such a pressure to bring something new and, and, and something culturally relevant and what's going on. I mean, there's just a great pressure there. And that pressure can be a lot every week. And I get to the end of the week. And honestly, so my message is due Thursday night. 
because I preach it to my sister on Fridays at work. And so I, I, we, we walk through the message, and she gives me some commentary, and you need to say this or take out the sex joke and, you know, like <laughs> that type of stuff. And, uh, and so when it, when, it, when it comes to that day a week, almost every Thursday night, I think the messages are just awful. I mean, I just, I just feel like they're, they're, just, they're just terrible. And what I've found is that it's so tempting for me that during the weekend when I'm supposed to be on a Sabbath, that I just do a little work here and I just have a little thought here and just, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm working on it all night long. And, and then I get to the point where it's like, well, God understands, like this is for his people, right? You know, like this is what, this is what he wants me to do. Like he should understand. But what I've found, and even just recently, is that when I rely on God's blessing during my six-day work week, he fills my work week with life so much (laughs) that I work so much better in six days than I work in seven. And it's just, and like, it's sometimes even, uh, so so I I, I try to Sabbath with him. I I, I work, me and Emily have different Sabbath days, which we're working on, by the way, but... um, I try to Sabbath with Emily on the weekend, but my real Sabbath day is Sunday, Sunday night into Monday morning. And so, which by the way, (laughs) a little tidbit, this changed my life. Do you know that a Sabbath day doesn't just have to be like just Monday? Like it's a 24 hour period. And so like my Sabbath day starts Sunday at like three or four o'clock. And then it lasts until Monday at three or four o'clock. And then I go back to work three or four o'clock on Monday, right? And so anyway, cool idea. Think about it for just a moment. It blew my mind. I it might not blow yours, but uh, <laughs> I was like, huh, got something to that. But you know, on Mondays, there, there's always, it seems like there's always something to do. You know, there's, it's like, let's, let's go with, and so sometimes it's like, hey, why, why won't you, uh, some people text, I need a phone call on Monday, or I need to do this, or I, in fact, one time I got, I got so mad because someone asked me to come in on a Monday I, I, I just felt like, like, why don't you just ask me to murder someone? Because that's like what I'm doing. Like I'm breaking a 10 commandment is what you're asking me to do. Like you're, you're asking me to break one of these 10 things. And plus, by the way, there's way more important things in life. Like I, I, have, I have a wife that I'm called to love, right? I have a family that I'm called to love. I, 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 I have all these things like there's more important things than the work that I have to do. And could it be, I tell you all that, because could it be that in your life today, the reason that you are struggling so desperately is because you're literally breaking one of the 10 commandments. And you cannot break the principles of God and experience the blessings of God in your life. And so I'm just gonna challenge you today. Say, Pastor Noah, how do I I put this rhythm into practice? Here's, Here's my challenge. In fact, I kind of wimped out on you, but here's my challenge. It's the rest of this week, or the rest of this series, take off one day a week where there's no work. Give it four weeks, give it about a month, and see if God would just bless you. You know, I wanted to say until the end of the year, but I knew y'all would be like, oh, Pastor Noah, like. <laughs> but trust me, if you do this, do it for four weeks, see what happens. No excuses. And can I tell you, you're going to have to change some things. Like, you might have to talk to your work. You might have to set up your phone a bit differently. I don't know. Like, but I promise you, when you follow God's principles, God will begin to change some things in your life 
where you can add this rhythm of rest. Y'all in with me this morning? You in? Doesn't it sound good? I'm telling you to go home and take a nap, everybody. It's great. Can I pray for you? Lord, we just love you. God, sometimes when we read scripture, I guess when I read scripture, I just feel kind of silly (laughs) that, Lord, you have to command us to rest. And, Lord, yet I, I feel it in my life, and I know that there's people here in the same way. That, Lord, they feel like they have to work and produce all seven days a week to make ends meet. And, Lord, I just pray that through this message this morning that they would begin to see that when we follow your word, when we trust you, that, Lord, you fill us with life. That, Lord, you blessed the seventh day to bring life into our life. And so, Father, I just, I'm just asking you to bring life into our life. Lord, we, we commit as a church to Sabbath, to stop, to take a day of rest. And Lord, we'll follow those commands. And so Lord, help us not just to rest, but help us to rest well. Lord, refresh our week when we do it. And Lord, I know that there's, there's so many in this room who just struggle with hurry and anxiety. And so Father, today, help them add this principle into their life. And Lord, again, I just pray that you would just bless them for being a part of it. Lord, bless them for following your word. And so Lord, we love you. God, I thank you right now in this room that you are replacing our anxious thoughts with hope. Lord, that you're replacing our busy mind with rest and freedom, Lord. I thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this room. Thank you that it's something special. We pray this in your name. Hey, with your heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here and you've never experienced the rest that I've talked about, I'm telling you, you can't do this by yourself. If you want to experience the blessings of the Sabbath, you've got to get to know the Lord of the Sabbath. And his name's Jesus. And Jesus came and died on a cross for you about 2,000 years ago and set you free from any sin that you'll ever commit, from any commandment that you would ever break. And all he asks of you and I is that we would just surrender our lives to him, that we would give him every part of us, and that he would begin to make us new. And I promise you, if you're looking for this rest, it's only found in who Jesus is. And so if that's you in this room today, we're just going to pray a simple prayer to make Jesus the Lord of our life. And so if that's you, the whole church is going to pray it. So no pressure. In fact, we're not going to even invite you up to the front or anything like that. Just pray it and mean it in your heart right there in your seat. And this God that we've talked about all day will come and live inside of your heart. And so church, because we all believe it, let's all pray this together. Repeat this after me. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay for my sins. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this to me and say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I surrender my life. Thank you 
for saving me. Thank you for giving me rest. And thank you for the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Would you get up for all the people who pray that prayer?